0: This is so surreal. Missy got off the bus one day in a crowded depot in downtown LA. She looked around as if to say, I'm home. Well, I'm home. I found someone to love, some place to drink some time
1: when I can just sit and think I won't mind when I catch the stink of these drones
0: Lord are these drones Just as long as I'm never alone
1: she had eyes as big as porcelain plates Skin as thin as paper drapes She loved the Lord the way an apostate loves song So she'd sing to him before she went to sleep I pray to you, my soul, to keep your shepherd I'm gonna be your sheep until
2: This is my personal story of my friendship with Anne Heche for Homer and Atlas.
0: Where I lie and I curse all of my dreams.
3: The story that you're about to hear is a deep friendship between Jeremiah and Anne that began in January 2021. It includes excerpts from their private text messages, audio voice memos, and photos that Ann and Jeremiah exchanged during their two-year friendship. You can see these photos in the album Anne on Jeremiah's personal page and the Jeremiah Shows page on Facebook. May 25th, 1977.
2: We all have a story of the first time we sat in a darkened theater and we saw a movie with movie stars. Real movie stars up on the screen, right? If you're born in the 70s, most likely that first movie that you saw was Star Wars. Okay, so imagine... A seven-year-old boy, who up to this point in his life has been pretty sheltered from most of the world—no movies, very little TV—and a mom (laughs) was into hardcore, (laughs) hardcore health food. Uh, Chocolate wasn't chocolate; it was carob. (laughs) Um, Lima beans. God, I. Pea soup, I just remember all these things with a shudder. But she cared about us, and so health food was what she gave her children. I don't remember candy. I don't think there was any candy for this young boy. It was unheard of. It was a no-no. Now imagine his hippie father, born in Shelby, Indiana, raised on a dairy farm, spent his days running through the cornfields. He drank buttermilk with his Apple Jacks, a lot of fried food, fried chicken, a lot of potatoes, the farm life. This hippie father loved music and he loved movies, Bob Dylan especially. So it was a father and son, a boy hanging on to his dad, who found themselves in a line for the Arlington Theater in Santa Barbara in 1977. May 25th. It was a warm summer evening, and the line wrapped around the city. Uh, uh, it felt like forever. It was two blocks, but it felt like it went forever. I, the little boy was me, obviously, and I don't think I'd ever seen so many people gathering. I had no idea what for at this point. Everyone was excited, and they were laughing. Everyone seemed in their best moods. There were a lot of kids like me, a lot of boys my age, a lot of girls my age, in line, we all were excited. What were we about to see? Why were we in this seemingly endless line? George Lucas's Star Wars was why, and it was premiering tonight at the Arlington Theater. It was the first movie I was to see. I had absolutely no idea what I was in for. Now, unbeknownst to me... And across the country was a little eight-year-old blonde girl clutching tight to her daddy's hand. Like me, this was the first movie she had been allowed to see up until this point in her life. She told me this. I know this firsthand. And there are a lot of similarities. We both eventually found ourselves in a theater with all of these excited people I had a box the size of my head of red vine licorice. I had a Coke the size of my leg. First time I can remember being allowed to have candy and a Coke. I think I was with my dad alone. My mom in this memory is not there, so I think that's why I was allowed candy and Coke. What was very similar is that Anne, the little blonde girl, if you haven't guessed by now, had the same thing. We both fell in love with red wines and Coca-Cola. She likes Diet Coke, I like regular Coke. Our eyes wide with excitement. What was this? What was about to happen to us? And the lights dimmed. The red velvet curtain parted slowly, revealing my first love and still my only love the silver screen 35 feet tall 75 feet long it was an amazing sight a holy sight to me the chatter and the laughter slowly dissipated a white light flickered above my head from somewhere behind me and those famous words began to scroll across the screen in yellow towards me in a galaxy Far, far away. I was gone. I was lost to the movies and the idols that graced the giant screen. Across the country, that little girl was experiencing the very same feelings for the first time.
3: And his professional acting career began on the soap opera Another World from 1987 to 1991. Portraying the twins Vicki Hudson and Marley Love, which she received a Daytime Emmy Award in 1991. Another World. It was March 23rd, 1987.
2: As Anne was perfecting and learning a new craft on Another World in Los Angeles, I was downtown. Attending USC Film School, our geography was slowly closing in. We were getting closer to that friendship that we'd have one day. At USC Film School, my favorite class was Thursday night when a white-haired professor captivated his audience with a behind-the-scenes, little-known story about a film we were about to see. What I loved about this class is that the actors would show up, or the writers, or the, the musicians that scored the film. And the film was premiered before it was in the theaters, usually a couple days ahead of time. This was magical to me. The very first film that was premiered was Return to Paradise with Joaquin Phoenix, Vince Vaughn, and Anne Heche.
3: And then there was Bond, Phoenix, H. Return to Paradise. It was August fourteenth, nineteen ninety-eight.
2: This was my first time seeing Anne H. on the big screen. Wow, her acting has always been some of the very best scenes that I have seen. They are memorable. She is hands down one of the very best we have in cinema, in the history of cinema. She is authentic. She's real. She's believable. You don't see Anne, you see the character, and you think of nothing else. You're pulled into her world. She is a screen idol. Have you ever had a movie star crush? Anne was mine. I saw as many of Anne's films as I could. This happened usually after work at Century City at the 11 p.m. showing when I could stay up that late still and watch movies (laughs) and enjoy them. This is uh, the reason I would go so late is I would get off work serving tables at the Enterprise Fish Company in Santa Monica. I was usually watching one of Anne's films with a girlfriend. I never told her (laughs) that I had a crush or anyone else for that matter. Years later, Ann and I did a radio interview series together called What I Learned from the Masters. You can find that on the Jeremiah Show podcast sites. Here's what she said about working with Vince Vaughn.
4: Vince Vaughn and Joaquin Phoenix are two of the most unique uh, uh, men, talented beyond Anything that they could understand this is this was years ago they were both in a in a spotlight I was probably in it too, but because of my naivete, I didn't know it
0: mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> but but are this is probably why I was cast you know, I was in the movie too um but my I always took a back seat to myself actually, but watching the two of them. Uh, have so much responsibility to the industry. it was it was a little bit uh, um, nuts to to actually feel the pressure they felt. And if you know uh, within 24 hours of knowing them within two seconds of knowing, them, neither one of them a asked for it, B would want it, C knew what to do with it. And, but it, you know, it de- made fun of it. But I mean, we were all, in a way, running from the moment that we that everybody was telling us we were in. I guess I'll put myself into that category.
3: And then there was Death Ace, Donnie Brasco. It was February 28th, 1997.
2: And told me about working with Johnny Depp.
4: Learning from the masters, Johnny Depp. Now, there was not a sexier dude alive at that moment. I walked into the hair and makeup trailer, right? i nervous as heck and he's dating a supermodel and I feel like a, you know, a homeless urchin. You know, it took a long time for me to find self-esteem. I have to sit down in the chair next to Johnny Depp. I'm like, oh, what do I do? How oh, do I I'm supposed to play his wife. How am I going to do that? I don't understand why I'm here. I sit down, like I try to close my eyes and like act like it's not a big deal. I'm sitting next to Johnny Depp like, oh my God. And I look over at Johnny, but I'm not supposed to be really. And he looks over at me. I'm like, I? And I'm, like I'm like, so not at all cool. And three people come around Johnny. He puts out his arms. And I'm seeing this thing, like a mechanical, like, and I look at him and he looks over me, and he goes, Don't get tattoos. It's an extra hour and a half in the trailer. That's learning from the master.
2: Somewhere around this time Anne met Ellen and she fell in love. What happened to her after, both personally and professionally, would affect her for the next 20 years and make headlines to this day. I'm not gonna get into the injustice that I feel happened to Anne and to Ellen and society and their careers. At that time, I think Anne suffered for over 20 years and loss of work and really had to struggle to gain and keep her hold in Hollywood. And that's not fair for love. But what I do want you to think about is this. Could what happened to Anne or to Ellen happen today? No. Heads would roll. Those two women really changed our world. And, and so many people have their lives, their acceptance now in this world uh, to, to thank. They really paved the way. Um, 20 years ago, you could not talk about what you talk about today or be as open or love who you wanted as you can today. That's on the backs of Anne and Ellen. A studio, which I won't mention, forbid Anne to take her date, Ellen, to the premiere of Volcano. So after the lights went down, and this is according to Anne, told to me, A couple security personnel quietly asked them to leave the theater. The studio was worried about the optics of Anne and Ellen being photographed together. Shortly after, Anne lost a three picture deal with that studio, and eventually, sadly, Anne and Ellen split up. You guys all know these headlines. At a dinner with Anne a few months ago, I asked her if she had really ever been in love. She looked at me for a moment without answering, and then she did. Yes, she told me, Ellen. Their friendship was very important to her because I asked her why, why was it so special 20 years later? Why was it the love of her life? And she told me that the friendship was so important to her. She loved how smart Ellen was. They had great conversations. They had a great time together. And it was her most important relationship. When Anne passed away, Ellen released a statement saying, this is a sad day. I'm sending Anne's children, her family and friends, all of my love. I wish Anne had been here to read it. I'm sure that the love would have made her happy and would have healed many wounds. I have debated with myself for over three weeks now, whether or not I should share this personal conversation between Anne and I. And I have decided to share it because Anne was all about love. She was all about healing and forgiveness and growing as a person every day. We had many conversations about her philosophy, forgiveness and love, and getting better every day. That is how she lived her life. And I think she would like the healing that has happened in this story as a last chapter in her life on this subject. I want everybody to know the Ann that I got to know. And the brief amount of time. And was love. And was life.
3: And then there was Ford. H. Six days, seven nights. It was June 12th. 1998.
4: If you were half a pilot, we wouldn't be on this island. I'm the best pilot you're ever going to meet. I've flown with you twice. You've crashed half the time. Now, what some people don't know is that... I was uh, raised in a very poor family, also religious. We only had a Bible in our house. Seeing movies was a sin. Again, uh, you know, we were all going to burn in hell if we saw one. Well, that kind of shifted from the time I was seven and a half into when I was uh, uh, 12 years old and Star Wars had coming out and it became an event. It was the first movie that our my parents allowed me, my brother, who was five years older than me, my, Nathan, and my sister, who's two and a half years older, Abigail, go to the movies. But we didn't have the money for popcorn or anything else. So we slapped together what I call pizza burgers, which Nathan would bring home after spending the, the pizza pies on the boardwalk. And what they would do for pizza burgers is put some of the leftover sauce and some of the leftover meat and some of the leftover mozzarella onto a bun, and then we would call it pizza burgers. So for the first time not having uh, – um, <laughs> frozen uh, spinach and cheese casserole, it was a real celebration. We popped popcorn, we put sugar on it, and we put it into our jacket pockets to go to the first movie we'd ever see in the theater, and we snuck it in. We went to the first row of the movie theater, and I saw Star Wars. So on this next Tuesday morning, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I sure as hell was going to try to keep my calm and not tell Harrison how it's I Was to see him, and I didn't give a if I got the movie or not. I was I was going to be able to see him; it would be a victory for my family. Caught to me walking into the room with Harrison and I would, oh My, God! Oh my God! I can't believe I made it here. You are the first movie I ever saw. I snuck popcorn into the theater. I went to the front row. You changed my life. Oh my God! It's Harrison Ford. Anyway, hi. And he goes. He goes. Okay, well, okay. First never tell that story again. It tells how old I am. And next, do you want to read a scene? And I said, sure. Which one? And I goes, well, did you get the sides? I said, what side? What are sides? He said, sides, the scene, that's what they're called. Like, I didn't know this terminology. Sides, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, which scenes I should read? No, I know the whole script. W- which one do you want to read? And here's a good, you, you remember us, the entire script? I was like, well, I mean, obviously, like, I'm not going to show up unprepared. So. <laughs> They both looked at me like going to sit down in a chair and Ivan is sitting across from us. And um, he, he looked at Ivan and he goes, Do you come sit down? And he looked at Ivan and he said, well, she's more interesting than most.
2: Okay, now you're all caught up, and it's uh, 20 years later, it's 2021. I'm working with Mariel Hemingway and uh, Nicola Carbonelli on Dead Poets Foundation, and an event that we are planning to throw on the beach for um, mental health, and remember, at this time, it's probably right in the middle of the pandemic, yeah? Um, we, all of us are struggling with how to be alone, how uh, to deal with the pandemic. It's, businesses are shut down. You remember that time? This is when I meet Ann Hayes for the first time. I get a text that Anne is on site, so I walk out back to greet her and her friend Heather, her best friend Heather. Anne comes bounding out of her Mini Cooper, skipping, hopping. <laughs> And despite the fact that we have never met, she throws herself around me or at me and wraps her arms around me in an Anne-style greeting, all five, five of her in her 150-pound frame. <laughs> in fact, Anne was still skipping after she went through the doors into my office, and I had to capture her energy because I had just, I had just met her, never met her before, and she's skipping like... Like a uh, like a deer through a field <laughs> or a rabbit. Um, I'm going to post a video on my Facebook page. It's hilarious. You need a good laugh. Uh, but you get, it gives you a little sense of her energy. I think that Anne intimidated some people because she had a seemingly endless amount of that energy. And I once asked her friend, Heather, what is it like when she finally crashes? <laughs> Does she just sleep for days? A mutual friend and, a P- and PR, next Gen PR. Jen, I'm just going to use your first name. She sends me an email and she says, hey, would you be interested in interviewing my friend Anne Heche? Uh, <laughs> I try to hold my excitement, but of course I said, yes, I love Anne Heche. I mean, what are the odds, uh, you know, what, my favorite actor, uh, and, and now I get just thrown in my lap, would, hey, would you be interested in interviewing Anne H.? So I'm working with Mariel Hemingway. Anne is, is uh, <clears throat> well-documented, her not struggles, uh, only struggles with mental health, but um, her advocacy and her, uh, all the hard work that she's done in this area and I get the idea, wouldn't it be great to put Mariel Hemingway, uh, who's had a, a death, suicides in her family, um, and, and Anne Heche, who has also had suicides in her family, and put these two strong women together with real experience in this area and just let them talk, set them up and let them talk. And so we convert my office into a studio. You can see that uh, that time on YouTube, the, the film. You can also listen to the to now what is a podcast of that conversation, and it's such a great conversation. It's a powerful conversation. Now at the end of the day, they're in you know they're in makeup, they're in ca- on camera. We record uh, for their not only their podcast, which is called Heather and uh, Better Together, Anne and Heather. Uh, that you can find everywhere, Apple Podcasts, etc. They record a podcast, I record a podcast, we film this thing uh, for a possible show on Netflix, and it's a long day. And at the end of the day, we're invited to go look at, by Moss Jacobs, who runs the Santa Barbara County Bowl, to go see... The location for this concert for mental health that Mariel is putting together. I drive over with them, and you can see that this hard day of, of conversation between Anne and Mariel has really put a strain on both of them emotionally. They're both giving their best still, they're both smiling, but I can see this underlying uh, uh, current of just strain i can see that it's been hard for both of them to to put themselves out there and discuss this hard topic uh given their history and their family experiences so i'm with mariel at the uh santa barbara county Bull and, and you can see a lot of those pictures on my facebook page that was my my headline actually on my page for a while i suggest that we meet at the boathouse which is right on the beach right on the ocean and the sun is setting And I go pick them up from their hotel, Anne and Heather. We drive over. It's almost as if we've known each other forever. There's a wait at the boathouse, of course, and I pull a blanket out of the back of the Jeep and we sit down and I put it over the three of us and we watch the surf, we take our cocktails to the beach and I'm under the blanket next to Anne. Heather is there as well. And we're laughing like old friends as we wait for our table. And again, the connection with Anne as a friend, as a human being, this is a big movie star, you never know. Anne is kind and sweet, and we go have dinner together. Three, two, one. Anne, Heather, and I sit under the stars, and we close down the boathouse. We're there for hours. Remember, it's an emotional day for Anne, and the emotions range... uh, from very sad to very happy. And I can't help but feel a little bit responsible that the interview pulled this out of both of these powerful women, but I thought they've shared something with the world for people to relate to. They gave a big part of themselves today and their personal experiences for others. It was unselfish. And so we finish out the dinner and we all make a great connection. But I won't see Anne again for another year.
0: Once in your life you find her someone who turns your heart around and next thing I sailed the wild, see sea Climbed up a tall, tall mountain I met an old, old man Beneath the weeping willow tree He said, now if you got some questions Go and lay them at my feet But my time here is brief So you'll have to pick just three
1: And I said, what do you do With the pieces of a broken heart? And I
0: May remain in the light and if life is really as short as they say, then why is the night so long? And then the sun went down and he sang for me this song.
2: I was passing through LA about five months ago. Coming home from San Diego and Decided to give Anne a call. I asked her if she'd like to have dinner with me at my friend Chef Suzanne Goen and Caroline's new rooftop restaurant in downtown LA at the Proper Hotel. She gave me an enthusiastic yes. In fact, I think if I recall, she said, "Hell yes!" <laughs> and then, deadpan, "What took you so long to call?" <laughs> she lives at johnny depp's penthouse apartment down at the georgian uh lynn later moved to a studio his studio because she felt more comfortable with less space and uh, i thought that was kind of cool the apartment was two and a half blocks from the hotel she wanted to walk down i offered to send a car come get her she said no i want to walk she'd meet me in the lobby at the proper So I showered and I ran downstairs to a nearby ATM. And as I approached the proper hotel again on my return, I could see that Anne had beat me there and she was sitting on a couch, movie star-esque draped over this couch. Um, And I could see her through the window. She didn't see me, so I'm walking up and looking at her. And she struck me, um, well, first, but you she, she was wearing a summer dress and i remember that it had a lot of color and a lot of flowers and a lot of the stuff that ann wore was very floral and, and lifelike and alive and i remember thinking that her style and her colors were not only uniquely her but they were old movie star hollywood in a way that that people can't do uh, copy or imitate it's 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 a style she has and the colors seemed to jump off her. The flowers seemed like they were alive. It was Anne, classic Anne. It's a- a- who Anne is, and I watched her and and I watched her fidget a little bit and, and sit there on the couch um, before I walked in, and it struck me that um, she reminded me of, of a little girl. Um, for a big big movie star, she reminded me of. Of a little girl. Uh, and as usual, I was in all black. <laughs> oh, Here comes death. Um, Chef Suzanne greeted Anne and I at the elevator, and Anne and Suzanne talked about the old days where Anne used to frequent their old restaurant, Luke's. Or Luke, excuse me. It was Anne's favorite restaurant. So they caught up a bit, and then we rode the elevator to the car car on the roof, grabbed a couple cocktails and the sun went down and as the hours and the night faded away, the conversation was one of the best I had ever had. But then again, it was the way it was with Ann. You were never bored and you felt as if you were in front of the car on a roller coaster. (laughs) Exhilarating. I've always been captivated and in awe by Anne's honesty. She would tell you anything you wanted to know. We talked about everything such as she wanted to form a new religion. The doctrine was just to love everybody, even those who trespassed against you. And she could hardly hold back her excitement as she told me about how she was going to buy hundreds of small AM and FM radios, and she was going to go through the streets of downtown L.A. and hand them out to the homeless. She also wanted to organize everyone downtown L.A. to hang out their windows on Sundays and come down into the streets with their radios and play music and sing and dance all at the same time. She had this vision of the city coming alive with these small AM, FM radios. She hated hated to carry her phone. And in fact, she hadn't brought her phone at our dinner. How refreshing, I thought. She didn't even bother to bring her phone. In fact, she had no memory on the phone. (laughs) So she tells me, I don't even get my texts. I don't have any more memory. She warned me that I would prob- she would probably not get anything I sent her. Also, I don't look at any messages for days. <laughs> Despite this warning, the next day I followed up to make sure that she had got inside her apartment okay, and I couldn't get a hold of her. And I panicked because I tried over seven hours, and I finally called her publicist and her best friend Heather, and I said, "Can have you heard from her? <laughs> After a few texts and a couple phone calls over the next few hours, and by 7 p.m. that night, Heather and I spoke on the phone, and she said, Why are you so worried? Is there cause to worry? Where did you last see her? (laughs) Then she explained, This is Ann. Don't worry about it. She disappears. She doesn't look at her phone. I said, I actually love that, since I have a hate-hate relationship with my own phone. I love that, I said. You won't, she told me. <laughs> Anne also explained that Heather is always mad at her because she will be at some fantastic location on some big movie shoot, hanging out with incredible A-list stars, and Anne will never pull out her phone and take a photo for her Instagram account. she <laughs> laughed and shrugged and said, It's just not me. I never think like that. She told me that she had thought I may come back to her apartment and so she cleaned it all day before I arrived and she used an Instacart for the very first time and she ordered some flowers to spruce up the place a little. But the Instacart driver brought crappy carnations. We spent hours at Karakara. We chased each other up and down the stairs like kids as she snuck a cigarette. We rode the elevators up and down, literally probably 10 times, up to the top, back down to the bottom. Different people would come and go. We'd make funny faces at them. All of them would look a little bit shocked that they were riding with Anne Heche. We laughed. We laughed for hours. I thought her voice sounded sort of like a minion from the movie. And so I nicknamed her Minion. <laughs> she not surprisingly loved that nickname and she signed all future, often all future texts to me as Minion Anne loves so much. Sometimes she just cheers up in the middle of a conversation. And I love that about her. It was a great night hanging out with Anne Heche. And somewhere around 2 to 3 a.m., I walked her home. The streets were dirty in downtown L.A., they were dark. Uh, I remember a marquee along the way. I don't know if that was my imagination. Uh, Neon lights, you know, blinking out, lights being out on the sidewalk. Anne was bundled up in a fur coat, and I caught a reflection at one point and thought, she is a movie star.
0: Take my
5: at all your restaurants and uh hold your hand Uh, i would shoot a video but my phone doesn't have enough memory Uh, but i sure like seeing your face i'll tell you that i like it a lot
2: out of memory huh on the phone heather warned me i like your face too we had so much fun together uh and agreed that it was good to laugh and enjoyed that we wanted more so we always tried to hang in between her movies and uh, what i love about this last year with Anne hasha she was back on top she was climbing back up um you know she has a new book coming out in january of 2023 she had a reality show deal that was almost inked and solid um she's on coming up uh, on the weekend there's a new show on hbo max Uh, she laughed I don't know if you guys know the story about that show but most of the cast was fired and they reshot all the scenes while Anne did not get fired and she laughed about that she was one of the only ones that didn't have to reshoot all her scenes Um, she has uh, uh, so many movies coming out this year I I think I counted on IMDB about four that are in post-production uh, Girl in Room 13, the, the Lifetime movie, just came out on uh, this last week. <clears throat> and was back on top and she was busy. And uh, I, I couldn't have been anybody happier than me because I love her in her movies. and So we were always trying to hang in between her movies. I thought how cool that is. I have to wait for her to get back from somewhere to hang out from a movie shoot. Once, I offered to help read her lines. She texted me back quickly and replied, By the way, you're hilarious. You're going to run lines with me? We can't even find a time to get on the phone, lol. Followed by, randomly, I feel rest coming on in my near future. By the way, there's nothing Atlas and I like more than whacking the shit out of golf balls. We can give a shit about the game, but nothing... is more fun than a bucket of balls. (laughs) Anne gets back from Canada filming Girl in Room 13, and she has to go back to work immediately on the CBS show All Rise. At 2 a.m., I get a text voice message from her saying this
5: i just got home from work i see that you wrote and it touches me and you say that you know that i'm busy and i just want to tell you at lunch tomorrow i will let you i'm gonna i'm gonna read your text i i'm grateful that you reached out i have a seven o'clock call in the morning and the amount of employer speak that i have to do is is off the so i'm gonna study but i want you to know that uh, this is just one of the lines that i have to to say detective collins during the time period that you were investigating the second murder you were in disciplinary proceedings with lapd internal affairs division Mm -hmm. correct you were being investigated for planting stolen jewelry And that is because you, in fact, tried to pin a burglary on your wife's boyfriend by planting stolen jewelry in his home. Isn't that right? That's not what I asked. You attempted to set up the man with whom your wife was having an affair. It goes on and on and on, I just want to tell you. It's poetry the way that these guys write for me, but coming out of one job going into another is a little bit of a, a tricky thing to do, so I have to dive in fairly deep. Luckily, I've created this character already, so she's available to me, but she also has quite a mouth on her, and um, I need to be very specific about it. There's a lot of words for me to say. Thank you for texting me and letting me know you care. I hope I see you soon. God, can you get it back? Can you get it back? Can you get it
4: back? I'm coming to you, baby. I'm coming to you. I can't wait. I can't wait.
2: Once I confessed uh, to my embarrassment that I did have a crush on Anne back at USC, she asked me why I hadn't called her for for a while and I said, well, you're a big movie star. I mean, I I was a little bit shy and she didn't have any of it. She said, BS, that's wrong. Um, And then I went to, well, I had a crush on you at USC. I was trying to validate myself. And I said, I've watched all your movies back then. Perfect Anne looks at me straight face and she replies, I'm so glad I was a part of your higher education. <laughs> I get a text later. This is after she gets back. She's working too much in, in there. She's working around the clock on multiple projects and she's doing it for her sons. You know, she, she tells me. Most of our conversations were about Atlas and Homer and how much she loved them. She loved her sons. She sends me a text. I rested all day. Atlas chilled. I'd like an adventure this week, but it may be too hard for you to think of any visitors with so much work on your plate. I work Thursdays and Saturdays, so I may just drive to Malibu and spend the day at the beach with him. Listen to the seagulls. She dreamed of slowing down She dreamed of retiring in Cabo with her boys. I invited her on a trip to see Chef Tyler Florence in in San Francisco. At the last moment, she wasn't able to with her podcast and her schedule at uh, All Rise on CBS. And so we promised we'd do it on another trip. This part of the memory here of my story of Ann It's called San Francisco and Perfect Blue Buildings.
0: See, it's 4.30 a.m. on a Tuesday. It doesn't get much worse than this. I'm in a bed. I'm in a little room. I'm in a building. It's in the middle of this life, which is completely meaningless. Help me stay awake, I'm falling The and perfect blue buildings Beside the green apple sea I gotta get me a little oblivion, baby And try to keep myself
2: awake
0: Myself and me.
2: I was nervous before the dinner and Anne sent me a meditation that works really well for her.
5: Shandara
2: eskanandu Shandara
5: Eskanandu Shandara Eskanandu Shandara Eskanandu, Shandara eskanandu. All things are well here.
2: She was very supportive and sent me this.
5: Take a nap. You need to rest. It's going to be a big night.
2: As she was sending me these voice messages, I was looking out the window. I was staying at the Zeppelin, the Hotel Zeppelin in uh, downtown San Francisco. And I'm looking out the window, and I always love this time of day when the light hits a building uh, outside your window and it's blue or it's gray or it it turns different colors. This is like... Uh, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, it, it always felt a little lonely to me. Any window I looked out that, where the light at this time of day hit the building opposite my, my vision. And I sent her a photo. And I immediately get one as well. And it's a photo outside her window in downtown LA. And she's telling me the same thing. And so in a quick succession, we take photos of the light of the buildings outside of our windows. And uh, I just thought it was one of those cool moments um, where you're on the same page and you don't even need to say anything.
3: away from me
0: When the sun came up this morning And she smiled her smile for me felt it for the first time Something deep inside of me So you can take your midnight rambling boy And you can keep your winding roads She's living inside my heart now Living inside There's an easiness about her There's a softness in her way But she gets me through the hard times We get closer every day
5: I'm feeling so excited about coming to see you. I um, want this surprise for Alice, I'll just love it. i going to the aquarium, I can't stand it. It's just, it makes me very happy. I'm emotional, I think I've been working so much and I was on night shoots and now I switched to days and I'm, um, <laughs> it's too much to even, just say, let's talk. I think my lunch today is at, th- at three. I'll call you at lunchtime, and maybe you'll be um, finished with your radio show, and we can have a, a little chat. I'm excited.
2: It's Mother's Day 2022, and we've got to do a live radio broadcast for the Sports Lounge with Big Lou from the L.A. Coliseum with Dr. D. And uh, it's Mother's Day, so I invite my mom, I invite my sister, I invite my brother, and I invite Anne, I don't think she's gonna say yes, but she tells me, she always surprises you. She tells me, you know what, my boys, Homer and Atlas, I'm always on set somewhere, and so when they fly in to see me on my off days, our favorite thing to do is go to a sporting game together. I love taking my boys to sporting events. And I said, "Well, would you guys like to to be my guest at the L- L.A. Guiltinis, uh on Mother's Day?" So I go collect them at the gate. I meet Homer. I meet Atlas. Try to talk them into buying some gear. I'm gonna send it to you boys. You uh, you look for you look in the mailbox. It's coming. Mailbox. How old is that? <laughs> anyway, Homer Atlas. Uh, and they spend Mother's Day with their mom. We go buy an eighty-seven-dollar pizza for f- for uh, five slices. I can't believe how expensive it is there at that food truck, but we have a great time. It's Mother's Day, twenty twenty-two, and uh, I think they had a good time. I I sure had a great time meeting meeting you guys, Atlas and Homer. Um, you had a very special mom, as you know. So Mother's Day was spent. At the LA Coliseum. I took a bunch of photos and uh the photo that you that you've seen paying tribute to Anne with her boys on so many of the news networks across the world. Uh that I took that photo. I'm pretty proud of it that I got to spend the time and meet these guys. Really cool, cool cool guys. I can't wait to see what you do and what you become. And uh loved your mom. Okay, so we are wrapping up here, guys. That's my story of Anne. And um, I appreciate you spending a little time with us getting to know uh, the Ann that I know. There's a scene, a favorite scene of mine from Lawrence Kasdan's Grand Canyon starring Steve Martin. Steve Martin's a movie producer and he's got a character named Davis. He tells his friend Mac, played by Kevin Klein, who worries. Mac worries about everything in life, his family from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to sleep. And Steve Martin gives him some good advice.
1: Mac, have you ever seen a movie called Sullivan's Travels? No. That's part of your problem, you know. You haven't seen enough movies. All of life's riddles are answered in the movies. It's a story about a man who loses his way. He's a filmmaker like me, and he forgets for a moment just what he was set on earth to do. Fortunately he finds his way back That can happen Mac Check it out
2: That's part of your problem. You haven't seen enough movies. All of life's riddles are answered in the movies. I'll be looking for the answers, Anne, in your movies. Thank you for the gift you left all of us. You are the only one of you and there will be no one like you. And loved life, and loved people, and loved experience. And what more could you ask for? The last message that I got from Anne read simply Love you forever, Jeremiah. That's the truth, baby. Love you forever, Anne. That's the truth, baby. As I was scrolling through my text messages from Anne and the audio notes that I that we use throughout the show here, um I came across a song that Ann had recorded. She says that she recorded it for me, but I think it was for maybe a project she was working on. Uh and it's Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine. I had not seen this. I had not heard it. I had skipped through it somehow with one eye open on my text messages possibly late, late one night. But what I thought I'd do is uh, we'd pull this down. Richard has recorded the song and we're going to uh, play it for you right now. This is Anne Heche, never before heard song cover of Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine.
5: She takes me away to that special place And if I sit too long, i probably break my Oh, oh, sweet child of mine Whoa, Oh, 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 sweet child of mine She's got eyes the blue skies As if they thought rain I hate to look into those eyes And see an ounce of pain Her hair reminds me of a warm, simple place. Or as a child I'd heart And pray for the comfort and the rain To quietly pass me by. Wah, wow. oh, oh, love of mine
0: oh, oh, yeah, sweet child wow. Wow. Sweet
5: love, my. Whoa, oh 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 oh, sweet child, my. oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh 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 oh, sweet love. Where we go, where we go, Where where we go? Where we go, where we go, where we go? Where do we go now? Where do we go now?
1: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.